Amen. Great. Well, good to be together, church. Um, I was in Glasgow last weekend and uh, preaching there and uh, had a great time with my friend James and um, just uh, saw a real good uh, response to the word. I preached two different messages, one in the first service, one in the second service, changed it, and just uh, was really pleased, uh, just felt the Lord was upon what I said, so it's good. And uh, I'm, I'm going to India on Tuesday uh, to preach uh, um, and to just share there with a pastor's conference. I'm doing about five different, six different meetings with Dom. Dom's bringing a team from uh, Cologne as well. So it's going to be a busy fortnight. The interesting thing is uh, India is 33 degrees, Hallelujah. Sorry, it's snowing outside, but you know, those are the things we have to deal with, isn't it? Do you mean? Um, so we are in uh, Genesis chapter 11. Um, I'm doing the second part of the sermon I preached on the first Sunday of the month uh, of the year, really about one people and one language. Let me just read it to you again, then we'll pick it up together. The whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if there's one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the language so they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. And that is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Amen. And so uh, we were talking about this whole issue of um, uh, being united, that we're together as one. We're in the series about being together as one, that God has joined us together as the people of God, that we would act together to do the purposes and the will of God. And to do that, uh, the critical thing that came out of this story of the Tower of Babel for me was that we spoke one language. That we spoke one language. Because the Lord said, if as one people speaking one language, they begun to do this, they could do anything. What an amazing insight. You see, it's about how we speak together. It's about the language of the kingdom of God. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to preach the same sermon I preached last time, but um, we talked about the fact that actually our language brings unity. Our language gives understanding. Our language enables us to have a sense of vision about what God wants to do. Our language increases potential because it helps us to work together. And therefore, it's really important that we speak the same language in the kingdom of God. Uh, that we speak language that comes from his kingdom and from his throne. And the Lord came down and he said, you know, I'm going to confuse the language of these people so that they will not be able to uh, cooperate together in, in the same way. God had a plan for them. And so that confusion of language meant that they couldn't communicate clearly. Have you ever been talking to someone and you think you're speaking the same language, but they're speaking a different language to you? You know, it's, it's about that. There's just some communication problems. There's just something that uh, you're, you're saying the same words. They seem to be saying the same words, but you're not speaking about the same things. <laughs> I'm looking at my wife. I'm not saying anything, love. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just end up in that position, don't you, where, where, you know, communication is so important. And it seems to me that in the church, we in the church have got to learn how to communicate with one another. We've got to learn how to speak the same language. Because if we're going to be together as one, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, if we're going to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives, then actually we have to speak the kingdom uh, in, in the language of the kingdom. 
There's a great verse in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13, uh, where, where you know the story. God has been bringing people back. The J- Jerusalem is being rebuilt. The walls have been rebuilt. And people start to come back. And there's this amazing verse that said that half of the children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. Just an amazing little point. You see, sometimes you can be among people and you're among them and you're part of them, but you can't speak the language that they speak. And so I wanted to just, uh, I started last time just to share about um, uh, not the words that we speak, but how we speak, some guidelines for our language together. And last time I really focused on the language of faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We speak out of what we believe. And so therefore, if we don't believe the right things, we don't speak the right things. Hello? If, if we don't have the right thing, if, if our faith in God gets damaged, we speak out of unbelief. We speak out of fear. We speak out of uh, circumstances that surround us. And we talk just about that principle that actually we have to learn to speak out of faith. And this was a critical thing for Jesus when he spoke. Um, when he spoke to people, remember the story of the, the, the man who was at the foot of the mountain when Jesus came down and he had been saying to the disciples, you know, uh, please can you help my son? And uh, he said to Jesus, um, if you can do anything. And Jesus jumped on him. And he said, what do you mean, if? Anything is possible to him who believes. And I kind of felt a bit sorry for that guy, don't you? I feel a bit, oh, don't be too harsh on him, Jesus. You know, he's like, his son's in trouble. I can imagine carrying that kind of fear. And Jesus says to him, anything is possible. And he says to him, come on. And I love that language of faith which he speaks. He says, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. How many of you know that's the prayer of faith sometimes? That's sometimes all we've got, isn't it? Lord, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. It's all I've got. But it's a prayer of faith. It's a confession of faith. I'm going to move that. And I got hooked on my belt there. That would have been funny. Talks about when Jesus came to Nazareth and he couldn't do many miracles there because people were speaking about Jesus and not really understanding who he was. They're saying, well, this is Joseph. This is Joseph's son. We know him. We saw him grow up in the village. This snotty little kid. Who does he think he is? And it says Jesus couldn't do many miracles there because nobody was speaking faith about what he could do. I think that's an incredible thing, don't you? That actually, if we don't speak faith, then actually what God is able to do is different. Because actually, sooner or later, we've got to have to start to confess and declare what God has to say. And so, the first language I think we need to be able to speak among ourselves is the language of faith. And I quoted that passage from uh, Psalm 18, actually, which we started with this morning, uh, when David says, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. He says, you know, with God, I can do things that I could never do before. That's the language of faith. That's that conversation of faith. That's that, that speaking out the truth about who God is and what God can do. And he begins to declare it. As for God, his way is perfect. You see, on a good day, we like to say his way is perfect. On a bad day, it's harder to confess, isn't it? Have you ever had an argument with God about his way? I'm not sure about your way, Lord. I'm not sure it's perfect. I'd like to say it's a bit flawed. But the Bible says that his way is perfect. Therefore, we have to come and declare, Lord, even though I don't understand the way, I've got to declare that you know the way. So I'm going to declare your way is okay. His way is okay. And so we've got to get that into our spirit. We've got to start to confess it over our lives. See, I wonder what happens in your life when, um, when challenges come. I wonder what our first uh, confession is. I wonder how quick we are to say, Lord, I don't understand this, but Lord, I trust you. It's my declaration today. God, I'm not sure about this. Lord, if this can pass from me, as Jesus did, 
Lord, please take it from me, but nevertheless, not what I want to do, but what you want to do. See, that's language of faith. It's language of, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to bring my life into line with who you are and what you have for me. We need to speak faith. Anyone else need to speak faith in the house today? So we've got to get into that place of declaring the truth of God. That was last time's sermon. Okay, so we're just picking up today. And um, (laughs) I preached it a lot longer last time. I don't quite know why I took that. But the second thing I want to talk about is the language of hope. Faith, hope, and love, just so you know where we're going. So we can put it together. I know some of you might have struggled. (laughs) Um, Faith, the language of faith. Secondly, the language of hope. What is the language of hope? Psalm 42 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, the language of hope is about speaking to yourself about the goodness of God and about the grace of God for your life in the midst of hopelessness. It's the language of hope. And we, as the people of God, need to be good at the language of hope. We need to be able to say to people who are hopeless, there is hope for you. Hello. We need to be able to declare over our lives and our circumstances, I have hope. Put your hope in God. Have you ever spoken to yourself? See, I think sometimes we don't speak to ourselves enough. We speak to other people quite a lot, but sometimes we need to speak to ourselves, don't you? Sometimes we need to say to ourselves, put your hope in God. Dave, why are you being miserable? You don't have to say, Dave, why are you being miserable? Put your own name there. What, what's going on? What, where's your hope? Where's your hope in God? Even in the midst of this, Lord, why are you so downcast? You know, I know there are difficult things in our lives. I know there are tensions in our lives. Listen, let's be honest. Uh, you know, we don't live in some kind of religious utopia, do we? Or if we do, you're keeping me out of it. We live in the real world. We deal with real problems. We go through ups and downs. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. The Bible says the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous and the rain falls. By the way, it's snowing. It's snowing physically today, but sometimes it snows spiritually. We find ourselves in a cold place, confused. And there, friends, is where we have to speak the language of hope. We have to begin to declare over our lives, you know what? Why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. Remind yourself, I trust God. I trust God with my life. I trust God with my circumstances. I trust God no matter what's happening in my situation and in my circumstances. We need to allow the hope of our salvation to set the agenda for our conversations and for our thinking. The book of Lamentations says this, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We need to remind ourselves today, don't we? Great is his faithfulness. That the Lord is faithful to us. Doesn't matter what's going on, the Lord is faithful. Doesn't matter where we find ourselves, the Lord is faithful over our lives and our circumstances. And so we can trust him and hold on to him for what he has for our lives. Hope rises above the limitations and troubles of our lives and declares the goodness of God. I wonder, are you a hopeful conversationalist? Have you ever started a conversation with somebody and pretty much you find out very quickly whether they're hope-filled or not? How are you doing? Well. How are things? 
Now, I'm not saying that life isn't like that sometimes because we all know it is. But I'm saying there's a difference between being speaking the language of hope and being able to speak the language of hopelessness. See, somehow or other, we don't have to be taught to speak the language of hopelessness. We can be good at that. We can find the problems, can't we? Do you ever, get, do you ever think there are problems before there are problems? I spend my life sometimes planning for problems that never happen. I get a bit mental. Do you know what I mean? I'm going, come on, what's going on here, Dave? Snap out of it. Come on. Put your hope in God. Stop talking, you know, stuff about stuff that never happened. So just me. You should drive being a pastor, man. It's stressful. You just get your head and, you, and all of a sudden hope disappears. Friends, we have to fight to keep hope in our language. Do you know that? Some of you, you know, we've got to look in the mirror and start to declare, hey, you know what? God's got his hand on me. I'm going to be okay. This might not be okay. That situation might not be okay, friends, but you're going to be okay because the Lord is with you. That's hope, isn't it? Yeah. See, see, I can't guarantee you that the things that go wrong in life aren't going to go wrong. I, I don't know that. Jesus seems to imply, actually, in his life that he walks through the good and the bad. Wouldn't it be great if we just had a good life? Be a bit boring. What would we talk about? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But somewhere along the line, we've got to find hope. Yeah. I love it. When I, I've been quoting it every time I preach for the last few weeks. I think I know it by now. Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. There are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. How many of you know that's a bad day in anybody's world? I don't care what kind of day you're having. He's having a worse day. He's got nothing. He's saying, you know, everything's gone wrong. And then he says this, yet, yet, there's a hopeful word, isn't there? Yet, I will rejoice. I won't rejoice in the fact I've got nothing, but I'll rejoice in the fact that I have someone. I have Jesus Christ. I have God Almighty who covers my life and who gives me hope and peace in my life. It's the language of hope. And we see this amazing thing that all of a sudden hope begins to take root in our hearts. And you, I don't know about you, but you love to be around people who are hopeful people, don't you? There's something attractive about them, isn't there? There's something wonderful about being with people who say, come on, we can do this. I don't want to be around people who say, here are 15 reasons why that can't happen. Because I can probably give them 15. I, I want to be around people who can say, here's one reason it can. Here's a, here's a reason this can change. I don't want people who have hope in the heart, who just believe you've got that sense of, you know what? This is going to happen. God's good and we're okay. Come on, let's do this. I want to be people who just start to speak about hope in the Lord. I don't know about you, friends, but people don't need religion. They need hope. People don't need just uh, uh, kind of like the words of kind of like some kind of organized book. They need words of hope that change their lives. They need words that stir them up inside. They need people who have got hope in God, even though everything has gone wrong. Even though there's nothing in the stores. Hey, you know what? I still rejoice. Because people can't fight that kind of hope, friends. It overflows in their lives. It becomes something which is uh, just so positive into their lives and circumstances and situations. Paul says in Romans 15, speaking to this people, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
there's a great reason the Holy Spirit needs to be in our lives. So that we might overflow with hope. What do you overflow with, friends? <laughs> what do you overflow with? What comes out when, when, when all of a sudden life gets tough? When that little sponge is squeezed, what comes out? See, I think it should be hope. I think it should be hope in the Lord. I think it should be something that comes, you know what? I don't really understand all this, but I tell you what, I trust him. I don't really know where this is going, but I trust him. I spoke with someone this week, last week, who's losing their sight. And we prayed on the phone, and he said, you know what? The great thing is I can still hear people. That's hope, friends. That's someone who who has a sense of, you know what? God's with me. It's going to be okay. It's hope, isn't it? Sometimes we just get so overwhelmed, and we've got to learn to speak language of hope. We've got to learn to speak the language of hope to one another because that's how we encourage one another in the faith because we all find ourselves in different places at different times. You need to say sometimes, you know what, my friend, the Lord is with you. You know what, my friend, I don't know what the future holds. We don't want to speak shallow words that have no meaning but we want to speak words of hope in who God is and what he can do in our lives as we trust him and as we cling to him. What are you speaking? What are you overflowing with? We all become overwhelmed and weary. We all become tired at times. We all become naturally uh, negative if we're not careful. And so we have to speak hope into one another's lives. Finally, we need to speak love. The language of love. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. The language of the kingdom is the language of love. It's amazing, isn't it? I think maybe the language of love is the most challenging of all. To speak love to one another. I was watching uh, this program on Mars and international flight, and, and they were saying when they prepare, the thing that they can't prepare for is the communication between the astronauts because being stuck in a room with the same people for six months can make you have bad communication. <laughs> Anybody who's been a student knows that's true. It's communication that comes out the language of, of defensiveness, the language of, of unforgiveness, the language of vitriol, the language of condemnation, the language of so many other things. And, and, and the truth is, friends, kingdom language is the language of love. It's about learning to speak to one another in a different way. See, see, we all have our own way of speaking, I mean, our own way of defending ourselves and our own way of communicating and our own way of judging and evaluating others. But when you come into the kingdom, you have to learn to speak a different language have to start to change the way you speak you have to start to say hey that's not the language that's going to give me life in this place in this kingdom that's not the language that's going to strengthen my relationships in this kingdom that's not the language that's going to enable me to flourish in this kingdom I need to speak the truth in love how many of you know that the truth isn't enough oh hello it has to be the truth in love See, the truth is we're all sinners, worthy and actually already condemned before God. But the truth in love is that even though we're sinners, Jesus died for us to make a way for us. 
The truth is that we get things wrong, that none of us are perfect. The truth is that I will annoy you probably in the next week, never mind the next year, if you spend too much time with me. <laughs> the truth is you'll wind me up in the next 20 minutes probably. It's the truth, isn't it? We just, we're just different. And so therefore we have to learn the language of love to speak to one another. Because otherwise, we communicate the language of enmity and of judgment and of criticism and of unforgiveness. And all that does is it breaks the unity of the people of God. And where there's no unity, actually, there's no power, as we've read in Babel. Where we speak different languages, actually, we can't build what God's called us to build. So I want to think the language of love is so important. Has anybody ever told you the truth, but there's no love in it? It's hard to receive, isn't it? Hard when someone just talks to you about you, but they don't really love you. All of a sudden you feel stripped bare, and then if you're not careful, you get defensive. And then if you're not careful, you get aggressive. And then if you're not careful, you start speaking other languages. Yeah, you all know what that means, don't you? Because the language comes out that's not love. So it's a simple thing, isn't it? But it's hard to do. And all of a sudden, we have to come and say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I need to start to speak differently. Proverbs 15 says this, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Friends, we've all had our spirits crushed, haven't we, by people? Or is it just me? Hey, but here's the other thing. Truthfully, we probably all crush someone else's spirit because we haven't spoken with love. See, Christianity is incredibly practical, isn't it? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am simply a crashing symbol. Wow. See, the truth is Christianity really hits <laughs> where we need to learn. Because we can be in the presence of the Lord and we can love all that and speak in tongues and do all of that stuff. But actually, if there's no love in us towards the person, you know, not towards the person who loves us back. Because Jesus said, even pagans love those who, who love them. He said, if we can't learn to love the brother or the sister or the person around our lives who's hurt us, if we can't learn to speak good to them, then actually we're going to struggle to speak the language of the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anybody, any one of us who can avoid that this morning. I'm not preaching at anybody here this morning. I'm preaching at everybody. It's a difference, isn't it? Because our language should be language of love. And therefore, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be together as one, then we need to be able to speak the language that keeps us united. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges of the faith. How about you? Because there are so many things that happen that hurt us and our first reaction is instinctive to us, but actually the language of the kingdom is instinctive to the king. It's okay, Lord, I need to respond differently here. You know what? If we could just speak the language of love a little more, most of the issues in our lives would start to disappear. And that's hard. You know, I know that. I, I, I know when people have hurt me and spoken unjustly about me and uh, said things that, in my opinion, were wrong. I know that I've gone off on a little rant. Make you feel better. And sometimes it's taken me a while to pull it in and start to speak positively about people. I understand that. But I understand that the person who that hurts the most is me. 
because it breaks the unity of the Spirit in me. And I find myself at odds with other people. You know, even the truth is, even in our marriages, some of us need to speak in love, the language of love. We say words that are not good. In our friendships, we say things. Now, friends, it's this. I don't know about you, but to me, the language of love is the most radical thing that we can do. That we can speak in love with one another. See, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Rejoices with the truth. How is your language of love? See, I think that's a profound thing for us today. How is your language of love? James speaks about the tongue, and he says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? To speak the language of the kingdom, which is the language of love. I don't know about you, but as we follow Jesus, as we seek to become like him, as we seek to live for him, actually we have to learn that the language of love is, I'm sorry, I forgive you, please forgive me. The language of love is, it's okay, I've forgotten it, I've put it behind us. The language of love changes our outlook because it comes from him who looked at the woman lost and committed an adultery and just said, I don't condemn you. Come on, you can, you can enjoy life still. There's purpose for you. The language of love looks at us and says, you know what? I know that you get it wrong, but still I love you and still I have a purpose and a plan for your life. Take hold of who I am. It seems to me that if we can speak the language of faith and of hope and of love, then actually... Nothing can be too difficult for us because the Lord is with us. It seems to me if we can speak the language of faith in who God is and what he has done for us, if we speak in the hope, language of hope, encouraging one another and lifting one another up and, and, and building one another up in the faith, if we speak in the language of love that accepts one another and creates an atmosphere where we can uh, be restored to one another, then actually we can move forward. And nothing that we want to do will be impossible to us because the Lord is able to release his blessing upon his people. That's what the church needs to be, isn't it? We need to be so many things. You know, we spend so much time trying to be so many things for so many people. But Jesus said this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. And by that, they may know that you love your Father in heaven. Let your love be seen that people might know who you are. And so we come uh, to the conclusion of this language sermon. My question is, do you need to change your language? Do you need to change how you speak? See, that takes a while, friends, doesn't it? Because it's not just a case of not saying it, it's a case of saying something positive. See, 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 I don't know about you, but, uh, uh, you know, I always tell the story that when I was a youth leader in my first church growing up uh, in Cheltenham, and uh, we were playing this game, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, I was put out of the game, and this word that wasn't a kingdom word came out. 
I was the youth leader, and all of a sudden, this word came out that youth leaders didn't say. I had that very embarrassed moment when everybody just looked at me, and the pastor just shook his head in disappointment. Luckily, my mother wasn't there. I thought I'd clip around the ear as well, but that's another story. Why? Because words come out, don't they? If you get them in, they come out. And if you're in a habit of speaking negatively, my friends, you're not going to stop by just trying. You're going to stop only by beginning to speak positively instead. If you speak unbelief, you've got to start to speak faith. Lord, I, I do, I, I have got unbelief, but I do believe. Help me believe. That's faith. Lord, I, 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 I do feel angry, but Lord, I'm going to forgive. Help me forgive. Lord, I do feel hurt, but help me heal, Lord, because I don't want to spread hurt. It's the language of the kingdom. It's a language of unity. It's a language of faith, hope, and love that keeps us connected to one another. What kind of language do you speak? How are you going to change it? I can't pray that into you. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if we could just line up and I'll pray into you and you all go away with happy words. Man, I could make a fortune if I could do that, can I? Some of us would be requests. Oh, yeah, can you pray for them? Do you know what I mean? The most miserable people on the face of the earth. Lay hands on them. Friends, if only it worked like that, but it doesn't, does it? It works by us saying, you know what? I need to, sp- I need to learn to speak a different language. I need to speak language of hope over my life, over the circumstances that surround me, over people whose lives are broken. I need to be hopeful. You know, sometimes I, I meet people whose lives are so broken, sometimes I despair of hope. How about you? I have to dig deep, man, don't you? Say, God... I've got to find hope here because I don't want to spread unbelief. Mama used to say to me, if you can't say something good, be quiet. You know, sometimes that's a good, good, good word to go by, isn't it? If you can't say anything, <laughs> it'd be funny when everybody goes out quiet this morning. <laughs> the pastor walks through the church, everybody's like, We just need to learn sometimes, don't we? Lord, I need to learn to use different language. Language of faith, language of hope, language of love. Let's pray. Father, today, just before we close the service, we just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're in church for the first time this morning. Maybe you've never been in church before. Maybe you've been here many times. But I want to say to you today that God wants to speak to you. He's got something to say to you. Firstly, he loves you. That's why Jesus came. He came and died on a cross because he loves people and that he wanted them to know the love of God and to be able to receive it. So today, God loves you and wants you to receive his love. Secondly, he wants to give you hope. That's why Jesus came, to give hope. To give hope to a world that didn't know him. To give hope to a world that had no hope. To give hope to a world that couldn't see the way forward. Jesus came to give you hope. And thirdly, he calls you to have faith, to believe in him to trust in him, to put your faith in him, the living God. And so if that's you this morning, you're in that place, you say, Dave, I, I, I need to receive the hope that Jesus has, just as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Is there anybody in the house who say, Dave, would you pray for me? I want to get right with God today. If you're here in the house, just slip your hand up, please, where we are. Thank you. Father, just pray, Lord, for hope, to rise, Lord. Lord, for faith to rise, Lord. Lord, for love to rise. I pray, God, that we would learn to speak a different language.
the language that comes from you. Lord, for your glory and for your goodness. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand. We're going to close our service this morning just with a a song. Um, You know, after the service this morning, if you need prayer for anything, there will be a prayer team here. If you'd like us to pray for you, maybe you're in a hopeless situation today, but we want to pray hope over your life. Maybe you're in a situation where you just need healing. We want to pray for you. We've got people ready to do that. If you're a visitor, we'd love to connect with you. Please just come into our lounge. 